Welcome to the Glenn Mercer Show, where we talk all things vegan. If you're not already vegan, no worries, we'll get you there. If you are, tune in for health advice, information on climate change, and all the damage done by our most destructive industry, animal agriculture. We'll also talk cooking, theater, film, and culture. My two reasons for starting this podcast, to entertain, to inform, and to make people vegan. Oh, that's three. Shit. Hello and welcome to the Glenn Merzer Show. You could find us on YouTube. You could find us at realmeneatplants.com and across all your favorite podcast platforms. Um, my guest today is my new friend, Jeff Palmer who was on just a couple of weeks ago, and we had such a good talk that it went on for almost two hours. And then I realized that I never asked him anything about bodybuilding, and he's a bodybuilding champion. Jeff is the founder of uh, cleanmachineonline.com. Um, he uh, is a bodybuilder. And he is a 38-year vegan. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me back. Uh, it's great to see you again. You know, last time we talked so long about so many different things, including your amazing life story. And then I realized I never even mentioned bodybuilding. Uh, <laughs> and the other day I had Roger Federer on, and I never even mentioned tennis. I don't know. I'm not doing my job right. Um <laughs> So um, let's let's start with bodybuilding this time, and that way I won't forget it. Now, when it, last time you told us about your life story, in which at a young age, as you became as you were becoming an adult, you had an epiphany um, after the death of your father, and you had an epiphany of forgiveness. I think I could say. And also, you you felt that you should stop harming animals, which meant don't eat animals. And you became a vegan overnight. Um, yes. uh, and it's remarkable that that epiphany was connected with your uh, very private, personal sense of forgiveness in your in your family life. Um, so now. At what point did you become a bodybuilder? <laughs> well, I was always uh, loving swimming. We lived on a lake growing up as a kid. So uh, in high school, I joined the swim team. And uh, for we were number one in our district, uh, our school was. And we had some of the best swimmers in the, in the state on our team. Um, and so it, it pushed me to want to be better. And so one of the things with swimming is that between weight training and being in the pool for two hours a day, my appetite just went through the roof. Uh, so I was eating 5,000 calories a day and still about six to 8% body fat, um, which is not something I'd suggest for anybody who isn't that level of activity. Because uh, that's the fastest way to gain weight. But yeah, it just made the correlation between that. But it wasn't until 
I, I, I love swimming, but you know, the chlorine uh, bleached out my hair and made my skin smell and took off my tan all the time. So <laughs> once I was past college, I said, all right, I'm done with swimming. I'll do it for enjoyment, but I, that, that type of training. But I loved uh, working out. So I kept working out and just doing it for fun. And after, you know, a decade or so of being vegan, um, I was at a veg fest and a woman saw that I had a vegan shirt on and she came up and to me and said, do you mind me asking a question? I said, no, of course not. <laughs> We're all vegans here. And she goes, how do you get arms that big being vegan? My boyfriend's not going to believe you you got that naturally or by being vegan. And that really made a connection for me. I, I realized that my body could be a walking advertisement um, for what was important to me, which was helping, trying to influence, encourage people not to eat animals. And especially among men, um, 80% of vegans, self-affirmed vegans in the United States are women. So men are really lagging behind in this. And I, I wanted to say, well, wait a minute, if I can get to the gym and guys come up to me and when I'm wearing vegan shirts on the gym and say, are you really vegan? How do you get like that? Being vegan. I want to bust through that myth. I want to be an example so that they can get past this fear that you can't build muscle without uh, eating meat, which is just false. It's just patently false. But I wanted to be a living example. I loved working out, so that part was easy. But now I work out because in bodybuilding, you kind of have to push through pain thresholds. So you really have to push yourself to, 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 to some pretty heavy duty extremes in order to get the muscular response to be best in class. If you do an average, you're going to be average. If you want an exceptional physique, you have to do exceptional training. And it means paying attention to your diet. It means training very intensely uh, and frequently. So I loved that part of it because when I got on stage and got to hold up this trophy of being first place as natural physique, against now, nobody now that's first on. place in first place in what uh natural physique so natural <laughs> bodybuilding is different than traditional bodybuilding which allows drug use natural bodybuilding is drug tested that means everyone okay. who wins must be tested uh to uh have their urine tested to for okay. um, so you were first drugs. placed for best physique at what yes. age at 50 years of age. <laughs> at 50 years of age, competing against people at what age range? By half my age, 20s, 30s. <laughs> that must have pissed them off. Yeah, and it's funny. And then they you know, find out what is an old guy doing on stage. Well, one, a lot of people don't think I'm, well, I'm 60 years of age now. And, right. you know, people come up to the gym. I've had guys come up to me and it's like, Oh, I see you, you know, benching 400 pounds. That's easy for you young guys. And I said, well, how old do you think I am? And he goes, well, I'm 55. And I said, I'm 60. And he goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> now, so you bench press 400 pounds? Uh, on the bench press machine. I, um, my better bench press is more around the 350, 360 range for flat okay. bench with a, a barbell. Now, 
I have not been lifting weights, um, but I am very competitive. And if I'd like to do what you do, would you recommend that I start at 400 pounds and <laughs> no. see if I could top you? Or should I start at 300 pounds and work my way up? This will break you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, and, and, and I'm, I'm writing a book on that too because I really uh, want to help people uh, use nutrition to help accelerate their path to fitness, but also teach them how to do what I call smart training, which is um, steady movement anabolic resistance training. Smart. That's the anagram for it. Right. And don't train with your ego. Um, I've trained with ego before and I've gotten injured and I won't do it again. It's not worth it. You know, spending six months out of the gym recovering just is not a fun experience. And, you know, you can end up tearing tissues that could be permanent damage. So just got to be smart about it. Um, the best approach is the slowest approach. But people don't like slow. They want to see more immediate results, which is why, unfortunately, so many, especially young males, turn to drugs because they want the shortcut. Right. And that's why it's so important for me. It's why I created the World Vegan Bodybuilding Championship. The first so you created the World Vegan Bodybuilding Championship. Correct. Is, is, is this an ongoing event and how do I apply? <laughs> yes, it is. And it's open to anyone who's been okay. vegan and is drug free for at least one year. Um, okay. So uh, some. Uh, federations require longer for, um, you know, for the uh, drug-free part of it. Um, but we want to encourage people to switch and to change. Um, right. So we're yep. trying to keep it open to more people that way. When and where is the next World Vegan Bodybuilding Championship? Uh, the last one, the uh, last two, we're here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, we are trying to move it to a more centralized location to make it more accessible to more people, um, even though Florida is a nice destination area yeah. with a beautiful beach and everything. Um, right. So we're looking probably at North Carolina this year, uh, this coming year, 2024. Oh, so it isn't set up yet? It is not. Oh. No, I just had initial negotiations with... Uh, with uh, one of the uh, VegFest owners who actually owns 11 VegFests. Uh, Helene, okay. if you're out there, how you doing? <laughs> um, All right. So, yeah, we're, we're in talks to, to do a new show. It's really exciting to see, to show the world really what you can accomplish without drugs and without eating any animal products. Now, uh, will you be competing? My competing days are over. I would I would probably be willing to do what's called a guest posing, uh, just to show people what a 60-year-old can accomplish without drugs uh -huh. and without uh, 38 years, almost four decades now. I'm in my 39th year of wow. veganism. So uh, by next year, I will be in my 40th year um, at uh, over 60 years of age. And I want to show people what can be accomplished naturally right. without any drugs, just using proper nutrition and proper training techniques. Now that'll be 40 years of being a vegan, but how many years of bodybuilding? 
you know, I've, I've worked out um, ever since high school, really, um, off and on. I didn't start really training consistently, though, like on a daily basis, five to six days a week until my late 40s. Um, so for almost 20 years. You were in your 40s when you started weight training? Seriously, weight training. I've, I've been really? working out off and on. So you were since... not a competitive bodybuilder in your 30s? Nope. Wow. And you wait till oh, your I... 40s to get started. It's like I... giving the competition a handicap. <laughs> well, that's the amazing thing about plants. Uh, plants heal the body so quickly and, and help the body adapt so readily. It is an advantage. It's an advantage at any age. Uh, plants are amazing at that. You know, it's funny. I talk to some professional bodybuilders and they're like, oh, I use um, I use baking soda. So they take baking soda to alkalinize the body. I said, well, dark green plants are alkalinizing. And they said, yeah, we know you guys get an advantage because you eat so much more dark green plants. So we have to eat uh calcium carbonate with baking soda to neutralize the acid because you produce lactic acid when your body exercises. Um, so neutralizing well, baking soda will make a cake rise, right? <laughs> yes. so are they hoping it'll make their muscles rise? What? <laughs> well, they want to, they want to try to neutralize some of that lactic acid that gets built up in the muscles when you work them out uh -huh. with intensity. Uh, Cause the lactic acid could actually cause muscle damage, which creates the muscle soreness and it makes it longer for recovery. And if you're still in recovery, you haven't fully recovered the muscle, so you're losing strengthness and you're losing size too as well. So when you started the competitive bodybuilding in your 40s, were you already in the supplement business? I was, I've been, I've been in the natural products uh, industry for over 30 years. And so did you feel that there were certain supplements you should take as your bench pressing hundreds of pounds. Yes, and there's really good research behind that too. I focus on the uh, supplements or nutrients, I'd like to say, uh, nutrients that can amplify or accelerate uh, that have real solid published human studies behind it. There's, there's a lot of crap out there. I'm, I hope it's okay to say that, but there's a lot of crap out there. So I focus on stuff that has real published human data showing um, uh, ergogenic benefits, benefits and performance. And okay. creatine is, is one of those that it's got literally hundreds, if not thousands now of studies showing it's efficacious um, for that. And even more so for people who are on a plant-based diet or even, even more so important for a plant-exclusive diet. Um, and for me, I'm what they call a, a, a good responder. So not everybody responds to creatine in the same way, um, but I respond really well to it. So it, it really helps me in, improve and increase my strength. All right. Well, I'd like to talk now uh, about supplements. Um, all kinds of supplements. Are you up for that? A discussion of all kinds of supplements, not just the supplements that Clean Machine Online sells. <laughs> totally. And, and, All uh, right. And cross board, everything's open. Let's start with a disclaimer. Mm -hmm. I'm not a doctor. You are not a doctor. 
I'm not a nutritionist. You're not a nutritionist. We're just giving our own opinions, right? Correct. And nothing we say is meant to, uh, uh, is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We're just giving our opinions. Um, on the other hand, I'll note that if you go to your doctor who doesn't have to make a disclaimer, if you go to your doctor for nutritional advice, your doctor could be 400 pounds. And I'm not talking about bench pressing 400 pounds. I'm saying your doctor could be 400 pounds and he or she doesn't have to make any disclaimer. <laughs> so um, for in my humble opinion, I'm more interested in what Jeff has to say after a lifetime of research of this stuff than in what many doctors have to say. But let's talk supplements. Um, let's start with multivitamins. I've, I've read some studies that multivitamins may be a negative rather than a positive, popping a multivitamin pill. Of course, that probably depends in part on, on uh, the state of a person's nutrition. But uh, how do you feel about multivitamin pills? Do you take any? I, I do uh, as an insurance to cover basis because we don't eat everything in a day. And that's for the vast majority of people, like 80 to 90 percent of people don't get sufficient amounts of uh, magnesium in their diet on a daily basis. Um, vitamin D3, that's like up to 90 percent in, in some cases of deficiency or insufficiency. And these are published data that you can go on the CDC site or the FDA.gov. This is published data. It's, this is not making anything up. These are significant deficiencies. Iodine is another supplement we're finding deficiencies in, like, especially because iodine was so deficient in our soil that during World War II, they started putting iodine in salt. And that's how we got iodized salt to make sure that people were not getting goiter or having uh you know thyroid issues which had become rampant and so i think that was a smart idea except they put it in the wrong thing uh, we now know that too much salt's not good for you and it yeah. uh, can lead to hypertension high blood pressure so um people are cutting back on salt but that was for many people their source of iodine so they're also cutting back on a, a very important nutrient yeah. so do people put it in any other um food product uh, some processed foods do have it. And again, some multivitamins do have it as well. Right. Um, and, and so back to the multivitamin question, I think it really depends on where the multivitamin has come, what form the different vitamins are. So there's lots of different forms of different. You can have a mineral chelate, you can have an orotate, you can have a isolate, you can have a uh, all different forms. Um, there's D uh, decopherol, there's DL decopherol, there's um, L decopherol. There's all these different types and forms. Some are effective because they're, they're more what is found in nature. They're more what our body is already adapted to. And then there are synthetic versions where our body doesn't respond to them very well, or it even interferes with proper uh, absorption of the real nutrients. So um, carotene, 
beta carotene could be in your supplement. If you're a smoker, the science says beta carotene can actually exacerbate or uh, if you're a smoker. I think you should quit smoking first, but not give up your multivitamin, give up the cigarettes instead. But yeah. if if you are there, you have to understand the science so that you're not making a critical mistake like that that you don't know. So I think there are good reasons to understand what's in your multivitamin and which ones of those should you be taking and not be taking. I find it more important to focus on the single nutrients that are more prominently missing, like vitamin D3, um, like omega-3, uh, like iodine and magnesium. These are all ones that I take separately just to make sure because the research across the board has shown that Americans are either insufficient or deficient. In and I'm looking for optimal health. And you cannot reach optimal health and have a champion physique if you're not feeding your body the micronutrients and the macronutrients it needs. Okay, let's get back to that list in a moment of of the supplements that you take and that you would recommend for most or all people. Um, but let's talk in general about food versus supplements. Yes. Um, I think you'll probably agree with me that you're in general, you're better off eating carrots than taking carotene or eating leafy green vegetables than taking folic acid, right? That the diet comes first. 100%. That should be your foundation for the vast majority of your nutrition. And that's what a supplement is. It's to supplement your diet to make okay. up for gaps. So we're, we're agreed that food comes first. So eating a whole food low fat vegan diet is comes first but then when you are eating your carrots and you are having your bok choy do you need folic acid or if you're can you just rely on your leafy greens i've seen studies that there could be a downside to taking folic acid i would agree and to be sure folate is far superior than folic acid Remember that folate is what's found in fruits and vegetables, where folic acid is the synthetic version and does not absorb or get utilized by the body in the same way. Right. It's inferior to it. So big difference. You say it's the same nutrient, and roughly it is, but it's in a different form, and that form matters. And that's where folate is far superior to folic acid. Now, there's some, like, uh, cyanocobalamin B12, whether it's synthetic or made in a lab or whether it's in the food source, that's pretty much identical. So it's not true with everything, but there are certain nutrients where it's far better. Vitamin C um, is an example. When you isolate just the vitamin C, it has a very different effect in the body than if you have it wrapped in bioflavonoids and right. hesperidin. So ascorbic acid versus orange, uh, eating an orange or a kiwi even higher than an orange. So, you know, mm -hmm. yes, there, I think there's big differences. Can we take supplementation, learn from the natural ways that uh, food has it together and try to mimic that to the best of our ability? A hundred percent. And there are supplements out there that do that, that um, like dihydroquercetin instead of isolated quercetin. Uh, that's dihydro is the form found in foods and, and found in nature. And when we use it as a supplement, it's far superior, far more bioactive. So 
yes, we can still do this as a supplement. Um, and, and I think they become especially important for people who are deficient in them. Um, if you're eating food and you're still not getting them. So let's, let's talk about that. Um, our food is not wild crafted. It's not growing in soil that is rich. Uh, with microbes and and fungi that are bringing all kinds of nutrients to the plants. We've killed all the bacteria and the fungi in the soil. We have dead well, soil. If you're eating out. organic, you have a better chance, don't you? It's a better chance, but it's, and it's again, you can still use, well, I, I don't want to get into that, but there's still a possibility where even organic can be nutrient poor because of the soil that it's grown in. When you mm -hmm. don't use proper crop rotation, when it's not being retilled with the certain nutrients that the, the soil itself needs, if the microorganisms and the fungi, the mycelium are not there to help um, make the nutrients more bioavailable to the plant and the soil, the plant is simply just not going to pull them up. Remember, we've hybridized a lot of our plants, mostly our grains, but also our fruits and vegetables like navel oranges never existed before. That's a, that's a human creation. Yet we can get organic navel oranges, but that's, that's an artificial creation that, that didn't exist in nature. We made those. <laughs> um, so we're talking about most of the foods we eat are hybrids. They're bred for sweetness and for color so that people will like their appearance and buy them in the shopping store and that they'll taste sweeter. So the carrots have like 20 to 40 times more sugar content than the original carrots grown in nature. Really? Uh, yes, because they're bred for sweetness. They're bred to make sure that they taste sweeter to the American palate. So it's, it's not even the same fruits and vegetables that we think we're eating that are good and healthy. Well, they're, they're better than, than eating animal products for sure, but they're not the same natural foods. Like a wild blueberry has 20 times the antioxidant and polyphenol content of standard blueberries that are grown because of their size. They have more flesh, more water to them. That means more weight, means they get more money for the weight of the blueberry. These are all huh. marketing techniques that have grown fruits and vegetables for profits not for nutrient value. Huh. I didn't know that. So um, which fruits and vegetables do you feel are most uh, original, as it were, you know, mo most uh, that have not been um, doctored by, by human intervention to make them less rich? Well, one of the most common ones that has been uh, doctored is the Cavendish banana. Um, that never existed. <laughs> That's another human creation. Bananas typically are about half that size um, um, and are not as sweet. And again, they're bred for size, for color, their brilliant yellow color and their um, their sweetness. So that's that's. That never existed in nature before. And most people think of a banana. That's like one of the healthiest foods, right? That's well, well that's what I think. So, so am I doing myself harm by eating two or three bananas a day? 
Uh, no, and look, I don't want to. I don't want to get people into food fear because I hate that when uh, when I hear doctors picking apart little attributes of, of of things and people saying, "Well, I can't eat this because of that, and I can't eat this because of that, and I can't eat this because of the lectins, and that because of the oxalic acid, and I can't eat that because of the phytates." And it's like all these healthy foods that people are yeah. growing fears of. And I'm like, no, no, he, he eats those. This is so much better than not eating them or eating the uh -huh. alternatives. <laughs> so okay. I don't want to get into food fear, but I'm just trying to say that, hey, wait a minute, we've, we've messed with our food a lot. We've messed with the soil a lot. And now the foods just don't carry the nutritional punch. So you can revert back to some of the native ones, like native grains, millet, uh, quinoa, uh, kamut. These are ones that haven't been messed with as much, at least. They're called ancient grains, right? Because they're original stocks, original seed stocks. And, and big corporations, big agriculture hasn't messed with those because they're not very popular. They go where the money is, corn, wheat, soy. Those are the big three that are mostly genetically modified or mostly tampered with and hybridized in order to create uh, volumes. How about rice? There are all kinds of varieties of rice. Are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Yeah, so short grain rice is more original. The long grain rice is a hybrid. Uh, okay. Wild rice is more original, um, whereas the standard white rice or jasmine rices, these are mostly hybridized. So right. yes, they're good, better, best. And look, we're in the age of Google. You can look that stuff up now these days, but look for the most uh, original forms of the food groups uh, and you'll find them to be generally higher in nutrition, um, higher in antioxidants, like those blueberries. They're tiny little blueberries, wild blueberries. You can get them in some grocery stores, but they're tiny. So most people don't like them. They like the big plump fat ones, right? Right, I do. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but those tiny ones, powerful polyphenols, um, mm -hmm. up to 20 times the polyphenol content of the fat, watery blueberries that everybody likes. Mm -hmm. Those are hybrids. Those were grown to be that way uh, okay. by, by human beings. So, How about apples? Are there certain types of apples that you would recommend over others? So almost... Almost all of the apples currently in the marketplace are hybrids, are 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 you know specifically grown. So um, there are ones that have a pack of more nutrient punch. And again, I don't want to create a sense of fear in people. What I want to do is stress that our food isn't what we think it is sometimes, and and it might be wise of us to track our nutrition actually put our food in a database like chronometer or my fitness pal and see what it actually comes out to you might be surprised thinking that oh i'm eating all this whole food plant-based i'm getting all my nutrition and then you're like dang i'm coming up short every day in six or seven different nutrients well your body doesn't care if you're eating well it only cares if it's getting the nutrients it needs to function so if you're not getting them, either change your diet or use nutrition to replace those things that are missing in the food. All right, we're gonna take a short break and we'll come right back and discuss how best to use supplements. We'll be right back. 
All right, if you've ever wanted to show off your plant-based lifestyle and do it in style, here's your chance. We have some of the most amazing t-shirts, hats, accessories, coffee mugs, and more at shop.realmeneatplants.com. We have statement t-shirts that will bring a smile to everyone's face. I love the I want tofu tonight tea. Plus, we have podcast teas, real women eat plants gear, real kids eat plants, and real people eat plants, just in case men, women, and kids didn't cover it all. Yeah, we love you and love that you want to show off that healthy lifestyle of yours. Again, check out our high-quality gear at shop.realmeneatplants.com and enjoy. All right, welcome back to the show. We're talking with Jeff Palmer, 38-year vegan, bodybuilder, and the founder of cleanmachineonline.com. Jeff, we've been discussing how our foods are not all optimal, although you're certainly better off with a whole food plant-based diet than anything else. But some of those plants may not be as nutritious as the plants they they uh, their ancestor plants. Let's say. Um, so what I have discovered, for example, recently that I am low in D three, so I take a D three supplement. What are the other supplements that? And of course, most vegans are or all vegans are advised to take a B twelve supplement. So besides B twelve. D3, what are the supplements that you think all people ought to um, consider taking? Yeah, those two are probably the most important ones because we've changed because of our lifestyle. So vitamin B12 was in the water supply, but so was dysentery <laughs> um, and, 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 and lots of nasty bacteria. So we you know, chlorinated our water, we sterilized our water, and in doing so, we killed the good bacteria too, including those that produce B12 um, in our water supply. Um, so B12 is in the soil. And when we're walking barefoot and stirring up dust, we actually stir that up and breathe some in, believe it or not, because it's wow. on the soil. We now know that B12 actually uh, does absorb straight through the mucosa of the nose, the inner lining of the nose. Wow. Um, and, and for that reason, because dust would be in the air, that dust carries uh, the B12 bacteria on it, and uh, we'd absorb it right through the nose. So we, we were so drinking So can I skip it, my we supplement it. and just go out and kick up some dirt? <laughs> no, no, because no? we're not living no, in it not on giving a daily that advice? basis. No okay. bad advice. <laughs> All right. um, but um, and then, of course, it was in the soil, too. We now know that there are hundreds of plants that actually have uh, very small amounts of vitamin B12, but in their natural state. Now that we are monoculturing all of our food supply, we're growing a single crop in the soil and we've depleted the soil of the bacteria uh, and the uh, mycelium, the fungi, the that are in there that would allow that exchange of vitamin B12 getting into the plants. There's very little of the B12 left in plants. So we've removed the B12 um, through lifestyle, purifying our water, not being outside in the dirt and not, uh, uh, you know, not um, 
getting it in our food supply because we've changed the way we produce food. So when we do that, like when we come indoors, we're now living indoors mostly. Um, and because we're not getting direct sunlight on a regular basis, just like every other animal on the planet, we're not, we've changed the way that our body used to produce vitamin D3, which is through sunlight exposure directly to the skin. Uh, vitamin D3 technically is not even a vitamin, it's a hormone. But um, so I think when you remove those because of our modern lifestyle, you would be wise to replace them one way or another. Now, D3 is found in some animal foods, uh, obviously, because just like animals who are exposed to sunlight, if we were, they produce their own vitamin D3. Um, so when you eat the animal, you can get the vitamin D3. For vegans, our proper way to get that would be exposure to sunlight, but people just aren't getting enough exposure to sunlight and they're living in northern climates where even if they're getting exposure to sunlight, they're not activating vitamin D3 because of the curvature of the earth and the atmosphere reflects the sunlight, the UV light that would cause the, the production of vitamin D3. So these are the challenges that we're facing right now and why they're so important. Uh, B12 can cause uh, deficiency, can cause brain damage, can cause severe nerve damage. Uh, loss of limbs, loss of eyesight. It's just not something you should mess with. Same with folate for women who are pregnant. Uh, neural tube defects in your child. No, no one should have to, to suffer with that kind of experience. And just taking a supplement, the risk and the reward is just too small of a, of a effort for too big of a risk not to do it. So it'd be foolish. And I feel the same way about vitamin D3. When you look at the research on vitamin D3, there was a consortium of probably a couple hundred uh, uh, renowned physicians, doctors, educators, university professors got together and combed through the research on D3 for COVID-19 and found that those with sufficient COVID-19 had a 30 to 70% higher uh, rate of survival than those who were insufficient in vitamin D3. And there's good reason for that. Vitamin D3 upregulates our innate immune system in a immunoglobulin called cathelicidin. Cathelicidin actually attacks and destroys viruses in six different ways, including preventing the virus from replicating, preventing the virus from binding, uh, preventing uh, and, and then causing uh, the attachment of the virus's body parts so that our body won't get infected. So our body records what that virus is, what it does and how to kill it. It's a beautiful innate system and it requires vitamin D3 and butyrate, which comes from fiber, in order for that process to happen. So, so important. Now, during the, the height of the COVID crisis, uh, maybe I missed something, but I don't remember hearing the Surgeon General or Anthony Fauci talking about vitamin D3. Did I miss something? You did not. And I was so frustrated with the... We're talking about vitamin D3 that is pennies to take per dose per day. And the corollary studies on vitamin D3 deficiency and uh, the, the higher rates of COVID deaths, not just getting COVID, but dying from COVID, 
are extraordinary. There's no denying the data. That's why this whole consortium of people got together and said, hey, wait a minute, we, we recommend 4,000 IUs. That's why I put that amount, exactly amount, in, in the supplement that we produce, is because that is shown to be effective for all skin types. If you have darker skin, that means you have more melanin. Melanin is a defense response for the body for overproducing D3. So people of color, black people, Hispanic people, they need higher amounts of D3 because their body doesn't convert it as efficiently. Now, that would be appropriate if you're living in direct sunlight in Africa. Your body's exposed to extreme amounts of sunlight, so you would overproduce vitamin D3. So the body adapted by darkening the skin to cause reflection, so you don't overproduce vitamin D3. So there's a proper place for that, but we've taken that out of context. We've taken people who are indigenous to those high exposure climates and put them in northern climates and put them indoors, and, and now they're at greater risk. That's why we had so much higher rates of deaths in, in Blacks and Hispanics and those who are overweight, vitamin D3 is fat soluble. When you have more body fat, your fat actually soaks up that vitamin D3, so you even need more of it. That's why people who are overweight are getting, uh, dying at a much higher rate from it because it lowers their vitamin D3 accessibility. And of so, course- So in your view, is there is there, uh... Uh, more of a deficit in D3 in the African-American community than in... Big time. Uh, so they've shown it takes about three times more vitamin D3 than a, than someone with fair skin, uh, white Caucasians, uh, for Hispanics, and up to five times as much vitamin D3 to uh, get a black person, especially the darker skinned black people, to sufficiency in it. So Yes, there are. That's why I use the 4,000 because the 4,000 unit shows that gets pretty much everybody regardless of body weight and regardless of where they're living and regardless of their, uh, the amount of melanin in their skin uh, can get most people up to sufficiency quickly, which would help. What, what level do you think uh, a person's D3 should be at? Uh, I think it's a 25 uh, for the OHD, the um, the active bioactive form. 25 uh, was it 25 nanograms per deciliter? I think that's a that's the measurement that they use if you go to the doctors. Um, when my labs rate. were done, it's it said that um, they flagged anything below 30. Correct. It, it, getting it up to at least 25 to 30, that's where you can become considered sufficient. Uh, I prefer right. to what get would it be into optimal? the optimal range. Yes, I, I would. I would like to see it get closer to fifty to be in the optimal range for. Okay, so to get people. optimal range, I'm below twenty five. So to yes. get to the optimal range, how many uh, units should I take per day? So I, I'm, I'm not comfortable saying should. Uh, okay. If I were in your situation, I would take uh, 4,000 IUs uh, twice a day uh, to try okay. to get it up as quickly as possible. The research done on the specific type of algae, organic algae, vitamin D3 that we use has been shown to um, get people from insufficient to, to sufficient within a matter of weeks, which is great. It's the sooner okay. and quicker you can get it up, the better, um, less risk, especially with this day and age with 
new viruses coming up almost on a daily basis. Right. Now, is D3 also protective against heart disease? Oh my God, D3 has such a broad range of things. I don't like talking talking that way because I hate when people uh, say call anything a panacea. There's no such thing as a panacea, but it's so important. Um, suboptimal vitamin D3 has been related to suboptimal levels of testosterone. Um, D3 has been related to lung health. Uh, D3 has been related to brain health and heart health. Uh, it's just across the board. Remember, it's a hormone. Hormones generally have many, many functions in the human body. And when you are insufficient in them, many of the functions start to become not working on an optimal basis. Okay. Now, what are the other supplements besides B12 and D3 that you think most people should seriously consider taking? Iodine, and that's something you can get checked uh, with your physician. You can get blood work done to see your micronutrient levels. Um, definitely get your iodine levels checked, and if not, get them up. Uh, iodine, so uh, T3 and T4 hormones, these are your thyroid hormones that regulate metabolism. I see people doing yo-yo dieting all the time and not losing the weight, exercising their heart out, doing cardio every day and still not losing the weight. And they go to the doctor and they get their thyroid hormones and their thyroid levels are in the trash. Well, thyroid controls your metabolism, how well and how quickly you utilize the, the, the body fat, but also the calories that your body takes in. And if that's not functioning well, you're, you're, swimming upstream you know you're you're going against yourself so i really encourage people i've seen people just go start taking an iodine and shed the body fat just like right away because they were already doing a lot of the right things they were eating healthy they were you know exercising but they just didn't have a healthy thyroid and that's what governs your metabolism so t3 means that you have t which is tyrosine stuck with three different uh, iodine molecules. We have copper in there too as well, but those are the main functions. You do have to have enough tyrosine, and as long as you're eating enough protein, you're getting sufficient amounts of tyrosine. The missing part, T3, is three iodine molecules, and T4, your other thyroid hormone, major thyroid, thyroid hormone, is four iodine molecules. So you can see that the body can use utilize a lot of iodine. So getting a regular basis. Now, you do have to be careful with iodine because getting too much iodine in your system can actually not be a good thing either. So getting just the right amount of iodine is very important. Um, not too little, not too much. Now, I've always assumed it's just a drop. And if I just occasionally have some seaweed or some iodized salt, that that's probably it. But I've never had it tested. So seaweed can be super high, and uh, depending on what type, like wakame, I believe is really high in um, iodine. That can actually be detrimental. So you do have to be careful with it and be judicious about how much you're consuming at a time, because people can say, oh, you know, seaweed's so good for you and stuff like that, and eat a ton of it in one sitting. And that's really actually probably not a, the best thing you can do for your body. Uh, too much of a good thing is not a good thing, and often it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Okay.
What about magnesium? Yes, and this is fundamental. So calcium is used for the body to contract muscle tissue, including the heart, and magnesium is used to relax the muscle tissue. You have to do both. The heart constantly contracts, relaxes, contracts, relaxes. The brain uses magnesium too, but a very specific type of magnesium that will cross the blood-brain barrier. So one of the things that's probably one of the most common deficiencies in the United States is magnesium. Now, dark greens are rich in magnesium. Nuts are rich in magnesium, um, specific nuts. So these are two good sources of it. Tofu or soy milk sometimes can be very good sources of magnesium. But dark greens is generally where human beings get most of their magnesium from, and we're just simply not eating enough dark greens. Um, that's why I think it's so important. Even if you're, if you're not, if, just be honest with yourself. If you eat dark greens, like, oh, I had kale last week. Okay, that's once, but how about every single day? That's what your right. body needs, you know. And if just be honest with yourself, if you're not getting it, then then get a, a dark greens out there that you like, like spinach or something like that. Then throw it in your smoothie and just make it a part of your daily basis, your daily diet. What if, what if you listen to Dr. Esselstyn and you have leafy greens all day long, you have it six times a day? Do you need That's to worry awesome. about your magnesium then? No, and you shouldn't. But again, you can just put it in one of the data trackers, put it in chronometer and or, or my fitness pal or one of those uh, tracking systems, enter your food in there and see where your magnesium comes out. I think most people will be surprised that they're deficient, even though they think they're eating healthy. I can't deal with those trackers. Uh, I once <laughs> I once got a Fitbit, and I, I couldn't figure out how to make the thing work. If I, you're uh, old school like me, what you can do is just simply look it up and put it on an Excel spreadsheet. And you don't have to do it all the time. Just do it for one week, and you'll you have see, the data. I guess I'm a little older than you. You called... You you said I'm old school, and you you said just use the Excel spreadsheet. To me, that's new school. I use an abacus, <laughs> so if I could enter this on an abacus, we're good. Um, all right. So most people, I take it, need a magnesium supplement. Would you say most Americans? Most Americans would yes. Uh, those eating a a high nutrient dense nutritarian style like Dr. Joel Foreman suggests, or like Esselstyn with dark greens almost every meal, probably not. But again, put it to the test. Don't guess. Test. Well, <laughs> Either get with, it, with a get blood it test, you could get your magnesium level, right? hundred percent. So you can get any of those uh, micronutrients um, tested. Okay. So you may or may not need magnesium. What else? What are the other ones that people commonly need and they may not be getting? So uh, omega-3s. Um, uh, omega-3s are found in nuts, dark greens, and, and some fruits too as well. Um, but they're, okay, so if you're living a very healthy, stress-free, uh, toxin-free life, and you're eating a good whole food plant-based meal you're on a daily basis you're probably okay the 
the fact is most people aren't living a toxic-free, stress-free life. <laughs> we are causing inflammation in our bodies because what we're exposed to, exhaust fumes out of our car every day, uh, television and, and all the electronic equipment that we're exposed to, um, uh, toxins in the air from pollutants, from coal mines and stuff. I mean, we're just exposed to things that we, just, we were never exposed to. So the amount of inflammation that's going on in our body requires more anti-inflammatories. So it's not just, hey, what is a healthy person supposed to be? Well, well show me a healthy person first <laughs> and then we'll talk. But that's not the vast majority of people here. We're not healthy, even when we think we are healthy. I mean, I, I talk to so many people who say, oh, I'm healthy. And then, you know, two weeks later, they're dead of a heart attack. They're not healthy. They're just not experiencing or aren't aware that their body is fully sick. 56% of Americans have a full-blown disease state, at least one, by the time they're 35 to 40 years of age. So over half of Americans, right, have a chronic disease state by the time they're 40. And yet when you poll people, 70 to 80% feel they're healthy. Okay, one of yeah. those numbers is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, uh, obesity is at, I think, 42%. And overweight is, I think, is it 78% or something like that? Correct. Overweight the CDC obesity? just announced the projections by 2030, 85% of Americans will be overweight or obese. It's just, aston it's just astonishing to me. I mean, it really is mind-blowing and amazing to me that people can just keep eating this way, the way they've been eating, and doctors can continue not studying nutrition in med school. And the country just gets fatter and sicker and fatter and sicker, and nobody blows the whistle. I mean, we're trying, and not just you and I. But in general, the medical establishment does not blow the whistle and say, this is crazy. You can't keep eating this way. And it's, it's largely, not exclusively, but it's largely the animal foods that are doing it. It's also sugar and uh, sweet um, soda pop and all that stuff. But they just keep consuming this stuff. I walk down the aisles of the supermarket, you know, the produce aisles is where I do my shopping. And almost every other aisle, I think, oh, there's no food here. It's just <laughs> stuff in packages. And I don't know why people are buying it, but it's not food. And And I guess if I had my way, Unfortunately, all those businesses would go out of business and people would lose their jobs because nobody would be making potato chips and soda pop anymore. I hate to do that to people with jobs, but it, it, it's not food. Um, and I, the trend just gets worse and worse. You know, I live in a college town where the college kids are often obese. And to them, it's normal now. We've normalized this. Um, do you see any hope for people shopping in the produce aisle and skipping all those other aisles? Well, you know, 
it it doesn't seem that we've made the negatives strong enough to deter people. It seems that they have got this. Uh, my insurance covers it. My doctor will have a pill for it. I don't have to worry about it. They'll take care of it. There's surgery for it. You know, if I get prostate, they'll cut out my prostate. So what? If I lose all my teeth, I'll just get dentures. So what? Nobody is is changing their habits to prevent the illnesses or the obesity. They're just saying, I'll put kick the can down the road. I don't know what it is going to be. I hope it's not catastrophic, but we're getting really close to that right now. You certainly are with with both climate change and um, and health, uh, our health status. You know, you mentioned insurance and it brings back just for me um, ugly memories of, of when Obama came up with Obamacare, which um, I think made some real contributions, particularly in terms of saving people money. Because, you know, uh, insurance, as people age, as they get in their 50s and 60s, but before Medicare, insurance becomes, health insurance becomes terribly expensive. And for those with modest incomes, Obamacare saves them a fortune. So I think there were some good things about Obamacare, mainly from a financial perspective. But if you remember how ugly that debate was with people on one side saying Obamacare is going to kill us, there are going to be death panels and all kinds of nonsense, and people on the other side saying, this is the solution. We, we need to get everybody insured and entirely, entirely overlooking the fact that it's going to have no effect on human health, that the real crisis is human health. Yes, there's a little bit of a financial crisis too, and if you could save money on your health insurance, that's great. But when Obamacare was implemented, obesity in America was at about, I think, 35 or 36%, and it's now 42%. So clearly, even if now 20 to 30 million Americans have Obamacare and presumably more access to the doctor, they've gotten fatter and sicker. So you can't declare victory there, can you? I mean, it's human health is dependent on what you eat, not how often you go to the doctor. It's so true. And it's so sad that, you know, we have doctors that are beholden to pharmaceutical companies who are beholden to insurance companies who are beholden to hospitals and everybody's profiting on sick people. Um, You know, it's just this whole chain of the starting, the putting people on the teat of the, you know, processed food industry and then getting them sick and then going to the doctor and then getting the doctor to take them to the pharmaceutical. And then they need, uh, it's just like crazy. You know, when I hear people like comment, Oh, uh, vegan food is too expensive. I'm like, really beans and grains are expensive. So, you know, I actually did the math. I haven't carried insurance since I took uh, health insurance since I became vegan. 
Um, really? So, you, you've <laughs> never had health insurance? Never have ever had health wow, insurance. Wow, I and, wish I had the guts that you have. Because <laughs> so it, I've always had health insurance and every year, year after year, I lose money on it. Except and that's, that's how insurance companies get rich. <laughs> yeah, except this year I had a hernia operation mm. because last year I sneezed my way into a hernia. <laughs> I sneezed and I went out and I had a hernia and I had to have it. Well, I didn't have to have it operated on. One alternative was what they call watchful waiting, which, you know, I was I considered that because. I am loath to, you know, do medical interventions. But in this case, I found myself watchfully waiting, uh, watch, watchful waiting. Yeah, I was watchfully waiting and watching my hernia get bigger, you know. <laughs> so I decided let's have an operation, get it over with. And I found a great place in Sarasota to do it. And it was like a vacation. And I had no pain, none at all. So, but every other year I pay for health insurance and I hardly ever go to the, you know, go once a year to ask my doctor how he's feeling and that's it. So, um, and you don't even have health insurance. So I, I did the actual calculations. And so in 38 years of not having health insurance based on the average uh, cost of health insurance for an American in the U.S., I saved over $500,000 yeah. that I would have given over that period of time to insurance yeah. companies and never once used it. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got to spend that 500000 on me. So no. Yeah. Healthy, being healthy does not cost more than being now, did, sick. Did you spend any of it on your wife or just all on you? <laughs> all of it went to my wife, to be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so, uh, but here's the thing. Here's why I never had the guts to go without health insurance because I was scared. What about a car accident? You get in a car accident, it has nothing to do with your diet. You might need help right away. In Florida, uh, car insurance is mandatory. So um, I, everybody carries car insurance. Well, you have includes... car insurance, but does that does that help you in the hospital? Correct. Uh, personal injury protection, PIP insurance. So that, that would cover all your hospital bills, therapy, things like that? Correct. It depends. You know, obviously, insurance companies uh, do a great job of getting out of paying people. That's how they make money, right? Okay. Uh, they make money by taking money from people and not paying them. Um, so I'm like, okay, you know, if I'm going to do that, I can put it on credit cards or whatever and pay over time or, you know, work a, a payment plan out with people. But at least I'm only paying for what I actually need, not paying for fear right. and making a, an insurance company rich in the right. process. <laughs> now, now, let me just say out there, we're not, I'm not advising you to cut off your health insurance. No. Jeff made his choice for himself, and he's Indeed. probably not advising you either. No. But the reality is that when you eat a healthy diet, as Jeff does, and, exercise. and you stay healthy, there's a, uh, there's a choice to a be made there. <laughs> It's a benefit, yeah. whether you carry insurance or not. Um, 
Yes, and I'm not advocating anybody else not carry insurance. Uh, that would be foolish. There's lots of good reasons to carry insurance. Uh, but for me, it was a personal choice because I wanted to put my money into to other things that I felt were more important. And I paid uh, very close attention to all my nutrition for the last nearly four decades. I was very active um, and, and I'm, I'm living the benefits of it. You know, most people wouldn't wouldn't even guess I'm 60 years of age. You know, people are like your skin is so clear and so, you know, <laughs> you look like a, a baby's face. And I'm like, you don't have any wrinkles or anything. Well, you're 60. And I'm like, what's the carotenoids? It's the vitamin C levels that are in there. Interesting thing about collagen, you know, big collagen, right? Everybody's like, oh, collagen. Collagen was created by the meat industry because they're throwing away all this cartilage that uh, from the meat industry. And of course, the marketers are saying, hey, wait a minute, we're throwing that stuff out. How can we get consumers to eat our garbage so we can make even <laughs> more money? You know? And they said, well, let's come. Does, does this 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 crap that we're throwing out, this cartilage from from all these bones and animal products, is, is this have any uh -huh. value anywhere? And they're like, well, it's got some proteins in it, but collagen is actually uh, that and gelatin, right? Bone broth. That was the other one, right? Remember they started yeah. selling everybody bone broth? Well, it's just like, how can we get rid of all this bone stuff that we're throwing in the garbage? Hey, let's make money. Let's sell it. To, let's convince people that there's nutritional values. Uh, both gelatin and, and collagen are incomplete proteins. They're actually missing the essential amino acid tryptophan. So when people say, oh, plant proteins, no, all plant proteins are complete. Only two uh, proteins in the world, gelatin and collagen, are actually incomplete proteins. So they're selling people this collagen. And this great study came out. So a really cool company said, well, wait a minute. How can we make a vegan version of collagen? Well, to make collagen, only animals make collagen. Plants don't make collagen at all. So they took a bacteria and they genetically modified it to produce human collagen, type 1 collagen. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah, so it's like a vegan, really true human type 1 collagen. So they ran a study and compared it to animal collagen, fish collagen, cow collagen, whatever. And it because it was human, it's by identical, it was much more effective than any animal collagen. So they're like, hey, that's great, right? Human collagen is actually better than consuming animal collagen. Well, guess what human beings produce in their own body? Collagen. Well, they just proved that you producing your own collagen is far more effective than taking this animal collagen that they're trying to feed you to make money off of eating their garbage. So the interesting thing is, well, they said, well, let's let's compare it to vitamin C because vitamin C is a trigger for our body to produce its own collagen and see how effective it was. Well, vitamin C was actually more effective then the human collagen that they were feeding people, actually true human collagen, vitamin C increased collagen and elastin more effectively than, than the collagen did. So it's like, it's right there. Nature has it. That's why plants are so high in vitamin C to keep our youthful skin. So anybody out there, you want move away from the collagen and just focus on getting some strawberries and kiwis and oranges in your diet, and you'll so, have. So you're saying that kiwi is actually healthier than a than a box of bone broth? Is that what you're saying, Jeff? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm going to agree with you there.
It's it's amazing that spam spam was another one. Spam, the ham factory in in Hawaii was saying, you know, we're we're throwing away all this trimmed fat. It's got some meat in it. What do we do with it? And this guy said, well, let's let's put it let's mince it all up and put it in a can and sell it to people as this hey a great way to eat ham that'll be it'll last forever, you know, on a, in a can state. And that's how spam was created. Again, it was a waste product of the animal mm -hmm. agriculture, just like bone broth and collagen. They're trying to get you to eat their garbage. <laughs> well, speaking of waste products from animal agriculture, really their number one product is waste. It's manure. Yes. They produce more of that than anything else. Um, and so they try to find <laughs> ways to, to, to make use of that. They, they try to create fertilizer and they, they spray it and they, of course, we have lagoons of manure. Um, I remember hearing a, a guy, I think it was a dairy farmer saying, well, I'm basically in the waste business, but I just, the manure business, but I just occasionally produce some milk. I mean, it's, it's the nature of that business. It is the manure business. And all day long, I don't know how many I once had the the fact on my fingertips how many billions of tons of of manure they're creating every year. Uh, that is the the number one product of animal agriculture, and it's not doing the country any good. I don't know uh, if, if any of you have driven down I five in California. Um, there's a huge CAFO there, concentrated uh, agriculture farming or. Um, where there are tens of thousands of cows there and the stench from the waste is oh my god it's ungodly it is yeah. horrible it'll make you gag even with the windows rolled yeah. up it's it's yeah. horrific yeah and these hog farms in north carolina and chicken farms and all over the country they, they they ruin the land and then people have homes and then they're, they're downwind of these places and they, their homes become unlivable. Uh, nobody has ever complained about being downwind of a vegetable farm, you know? So uh, I just don't, it's so painfully obvious that, that animal agriculture is destroying the country and the world and somehow, Somehow people keep eating these products. I don't understand it. Um, let's talk antioxidants. If you're on the optimal diet, you're eating fruits and vegetables and whole grains all day long, do you need to take any supplement with an antioxidant benefit or are you good just with the foods you're eating? Well, they're definitely uh, ones that are higher in polyphenols and antioxidants, like uh, fruits are generally higher in antioxidants, um, and your darker colored uh, fruits and vegetables. So the darker the color, the generally the higher the antioxidant levels. So if you focus on those, um, then you're probably you're probably better off. So let's talk about the the reason they're called antioxidants. So oxygen is one of the most corrosive um, molecules there are. And our bodies have adapted to breathing in oxygen, obviously, and actually using oxygen to break down fat. It's called 
lipid oxidation. That's oxidation is burning. So if you put heat to wood, you oxidize the wood. Fire is oxidation. That if you take away the oxygen, the fire goes out. Um, oxidation to oxidation to metals is called rust. You see how corrosive it is. It's flammatory on wood. It's corrosive on metal. But those oxygen molecules can be just as damaging and corrosive to our own cells. This is why having plenty of antioxidants, which will bind to these free radical oxygen molecules to prevent them from damaging our cells on the inside, that's so important. It's one of the key things of uh, cholesterol. When you consume dietary cholesterol, you've already oxidized it. You've heated it, which creates oxygen molecules sticking to the uh, cholesterol and the saturated fat. Once you oxidize it, it becomes much, much worse and can start to cause atherosclerosis in human beings, hardening of the arteries, which leads to strokes, heart attacks, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's disease. They're all atherosclerotic diseases. This is where uh, cholesterol becomes oxidized and fluffy, which makes it sticky, and that's what causes it. So, having let me interrupt you there. Are you saying really that the that. the the cholesterol is oxidized by the process of cooking the meat? Correct. And if you reheat the meat, like if you cook the meat, put it in the fridge and then reheat it, like many people buy cooked chicken, say, and they'll, they'll take it home, put it in the fridge, and then cut it out and cook it again. Well, now you've really oxidized that flesh. Um, they found it to be uh, almost uh, really, really highly. The studies have shown really high amounts of uh, oxidative uh, cholesterol in there. And if you look at um, Alzheimer's disease patients and you take out a plug of their dementia, you will see that artery filled with oxidized cholesterol. We know oxidized cholesterol is the culprit for atherosclerosis. Um, and, and for dementia as well? Correct. Exactly. And for erectile dysfunction, that's the atherosclerotic plaques going to the genitals, you know, whether it's the brain, the heart, the genitals, the lungs, you need those blood vessels open, not filled with plaque uh, lesions caused by inflammation and saturated fat and oxidized cholesterol. And that's why All antioxidants right. are so important. So if you're on the optimal human diet, that is a low-fat, whole foods diet full of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and mushrooms and legumes, but you're worried, still might not be getting enough antioxidants. Is there any sup D3 you certainly recommend, which, which would have that effect as well, right? Is there any yes. other supplement you recommend for its antioxidant value? So uh, two, uh, that is uh, CoQ10 and alpha-lipoic acid. Uh, alpha-lipoic acid is one of my favorites. Uh, it was a great uh, Ames study that showed um, by uh, feeding cells, human cells, carnitine, which accelerates the metabolism. But if you accelerate the metabolism of a cell, you're creating more waste product, which could become oxidizing. 
So when they added the carnitine and the alpha lipoic acid, which is a potent antioxidant, it can actually neutralize that effect and they extended the lifespan of the cells. It was called the AMES study, A-M-E-S, very powerful study on uh, regenerative and, and longevity. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, alpha lipoic acid is found in plants in small amounts. Um, Lemons, I think, are one of the higher sources of it, citrus fruits. Um, but you can get it in supplementation too as well. A very powerful antioxidant. It also can help recycle some of the other antioxidants. So it has kind of been called the king of the antioxidants because it has the potential to reactivate uh, other antioxidants in the body after they've been used. All right. Well, Jeff... Would you come back again soon? And we, there's so many more uh, nutritional subjects I want to discuss with you and other supplements. Come back again soon and we'll get to them. Oh, I would be honored. I love chatting with you. And it's, it's, it's great to share some of this information. I think a lot of people are curious about, uh, but there are just a lot of people who just simply don't know. And it's, right. it, it breaks my heart when people if they only knew, could be doing something better for themselves and possibly putting themselves and maybe even their family and members and loved ones uh, a lower risk for um, having some health conditions. So I think right. that's so important just to get this information. Look, the information is free. Thank you for being <laughs> a platform to be able to get this information out because I just love helping people live the best life they could possibly have. I don't like suffering. <laughs> I suffered tremendously when I was young and I'll do everything in my power to try to prevent or reduce the amount of suffering through health, nutrition, and through uh, encouraging people to go vegan. Well, Jeff's company is cleanmachineonline.com. Uh, and um, we'll be following Jeff, all your bodybuilding news because I am thinking of entering the next competition and um, and I'm still challenging you to an arm wrestle the next time I see you <laughs> and uh, thank you for joining us at the Glenn Merzer show please remember to like and subscribe it will be much appreciated thank you this has been the Glenn Mercer Show, where everyone listening turns vegan, regains their health, and annoys their friends and relatives. Find us on YouTube at the Glenn Mercer Show and across all your major podcast platforms. Don't forget to subscribe.